Hey, I'm Brenna. And I'm AC. And welcome to An Obsessive Nature, where we're geeks, but we're also writers now. Okay. Um, hi, Brenna. How are you? Hi, I'm doing great. <laughs> There's this podcast I listen to where they start off by um, saying something random about themselves. And I was like, maybe we should try that. But I don't think we could do it. I don't think I could every time. I feel like that those random facts are just in the whole podcast as a whole already, always. So I know. Well, at this point, it's like, I'm drinking out of a tiny coffee cup. <laughs> um, but at least they have something to talk about. Yeah, some Anyways. forcing an intro that we're so bad at, yeah. Yeah. I want you to introduce the episode today, though. Okay. <laughs> Um, this has been on our list for a while of possible episodes to do. Um, and it was, we just want to talk about (laughs) how (laughs) we just wanted to talk about how we've learned from and have been influenced from some of our favorite writers. And I think also the struggles of like, not really, I don't know, not, not being influenced by, um, certain things. I don't know. Yeah. I, I particularly have trouble because, um, it's probably something to do with ADD, but I'll get like really inspired and focused on specific people. And then it's almost impossible to create because you're like your stuff that you're making is like nowhere near as good as mm-hmm. theirs. But you like so you like have taste so you don't like your own stuff. <laughs> Does that make sense? No, that completely. Yeah. So this is just going to be another uh, imposter syndrome episode as well. Yeah. Uh. But yeah, no. Exactly. But I think, um, especially in my shower right before this, I started thinking about like the ways in which I have been able to work productively, learning from other people, and now I'm kind of feeling a little inspired to try and apply that to like the people who intimidate me and all of their life lessons too. So. Yeah, and I think a lot of this has also like been helped by actually taking like classes with people our own age and sort of our own experience level instead of just looking up to all these authors (laughs) um so yeah though i don't know i'll talk more about that later i feel like we've talked about a lot in the imposter syndrome stuff about how like it was terrifying to have to read our shit in front of a whole class but at the same time it helped a little bit because everyone was kind of in the same boat unless you were like a super genius which uh definitely had some of those Well, I can talk about this now since it's not really a person that I learned from, but I think it's a really important thing I've kind of come to realize lately is, like, don't listen to everybody, because I think a lot of people have opinions, but very few people have useful opinions, and I guess that just comes from, like, writing for the internet, which is what I'm doing right now. Yeah. Um... A lot of people, like, write in with corrections, like spelling corrections or grammar corrections, or they, like, disagree with your point, and a lot of times it's bullshit. Sometimes it's, it is true and helpful, and, like, I'm happy to listen then, but, yeah, I think it's important. And especially in a class, I think a lot of times people would, like, make little grammar changes, and that, like, didn't matter. Yeah. It was, like, a preference thing. Yeah, I totally... Yeah, I agree. They always are like, learn the rules so you can break them. 
That's how I feel about grammar. Yeah. <laughs> well, it wasn't even like corrections in the classes. It was mm-hmm. like like literally just preference. A preference. Yeah. Yeah. So. Like I don't like the word moist. Okay, well. That that's a legitimate concern. <laughs> yeah, I would agree with that. <laughs> Not that I ever used that word. But anyways, no. okay, let's get into this the real stuff. Yeah. About so um, how I have learned from I don't know, certain authors. I've talked about this before. Um, I am the biggest Hunger Games fan, and we've kind of talked about how we kind of think the books, the movies are almost, like, better than the books in the in a way that the books are just so concise and so kind of more like a movie script. Like, they're very short and easy to read, mm-hmm. and that style, like, really just... Not that, she, not that Suzanne Collins is a bad writer, but that concise, like, easy easygoing style but still was such a great story like that really inspired me and I could be like hey I don't write all flowery and pretty and literary but like I can still have a story that matters and I think it's I don't know it just it helped me a lot realize like oh you don't have to be this like insane poet to (laughs) to write cool things it just gave me more confidence in that level and writing YA in general is just so much more accessible and I love that about it yeah yeah. Well, I think her writing in general is more accessible because yeah. it's not like the Lord of the Rings or like Aragon or whatever. It's not like this huge ass dense thing with like not only a bunch of descriptors, but also tons of made up words that are impossible to yeah. pronounce. Yeah. Stuff like I do love like sci fi and, and some fantasy, but some things are just there's too many proper nouns. You just have to like, oh, so much exposition is required and it's like, oh, this is too much. <laughs> The Hunger Games is like District 12, whatever. All of those things are just so iconic. And sometimes with all the yeah. other like crazy fantasy books that are 15 million pages, it's like you can't pronounce anything, <laughs> etc. So, But then some people try to rip off that like format yeah. in order to become iconic, uh, like Divergent. Sorry, I know you like Divergent, but... I mean, I totally am. I mean, I like it because it's the exact same as The Hunger Games, so I totally understand. Yeah. No, like, I, I have your same opinions. Um, but I also just, kind of another thing about the Hunger Games trilogy is I loved, like, her just crazy, like, cliffhangers. Just, they were so concise and so, like, perfect. Some of my favorites were, um, obviously, like, the one at the end of Catching Fire, like, There is No District 12, that was, like, the end of the book. This is no place for a girl on fire. TikTok, this is a clock. Like, those are some of my favorite lines. And they're all, like, the ends of chapters, and I just love that. They're so concise and great and, like, are so... Um, I don't know. I just really like that. I do that a lot in my own writing, just kind of having badass endings to everything, not just like the ending of the book, but like every chapter. Yeah, that's so important. Yeah. And I definitely learned a lot of that. And I think, yeah, again, the whole concise thing is just so... I like it. (laughs) Me too. As a dyslexic, I really enjoy it. Yeah. Um, The first thing that came to my mind with this topic was um, like writers with learning disabilities Mm -hmm. like me um because I literally had this well I still have it but I would always use this book that's like about school survival it's like a school survival guide written by these two dudes with ADHD who went to um Ivy League schools Mm. one of them was dyslexic and I especially looked to it when I had to write papers um because it I would often procrastinate, even though I like writing and I'm a good writer, I would often procrastinate. And it was one of those things where 
even though they don't advise procrastination, they still, like, gave you the best tips to get through an all-nighter. Um, yeah. Which is great. Very realistic. Not just, like, being mm-hmm. so, yeah. <laughs> and, like, how to do it productively. Like, yes, run up and down the stairs a couple times, mm-hmm. like, every hour. <laughs> and, like, eat food. Much. Stretch. Um, stuff like that is still so important to me and I think has also given me the confidence well the like awareness to look to people like that and then the confidence to sort of own the particular way that my brain works I was even listening to a podcast um yesterday uh just between us podcast episode about this a person works with uh entrepreneurs with ADD Mm-hmm. And she was just talking about how entrepreneurial lifestyle is just so it's privileged, but it's also so much easier oftentimes for people with ADHD because you just set your own schedule. And luckily that is what I do. And it has really made me think about how I apply that to get writing done. Like I only write in the morning. Um, I try to only write for like 40 minutes at a time, but sometimes I don't get up and I need to be better at that. Mm-hmm. But a little stuff like that. But yeah. So, and I guess the peop- the people I'm specifically thinking of are Jonathan Mooney is the big one. I know um, Avi is dyslexic. I, or is it Avi or Ari? I never really read the books, but I knew, I know, I've read some writing tips from them. They did oh, like sure. the mouse, the tales of Desperado. Oh, yeah, yeah. Beats me. And then some much darker books. Yeah. I did read the mouse book, but I didn't mm-hmm. read his other stuff. Um... And, yeah, I kind of already touched on how I struggle with, like, finding particular inspiration from mm-hmm. people. So I don't really have anything to add there. Or um, constructive inspiration. Like, I'll just get caught up and psych myself out. But um, I want to hear you talk about your next one. I think that's – no, I totally – like, I didn't even think about that. But obviously that happens to – I just don't read enough at this point in my life to <laughs> even, re- like, remember that that's a thing that happens. I just feel terrible about myself because – this quote is so good. Why couldn't I come up with something like this? But yeah, I mean, that's kind of, but at the same time, like you need to read to still be in that world. And I don't know. Yeah. I started reading a lot. Um, when I started working and finished my year of writing, I wanted to listen to as many audiobooks as possible. So I still felt like I was in that world mm-hmm. and it kind of just had me fall in love with reading again in a different way but it was like I was also trying to read in my genre because they say you like have to do that yeah before you pitch um and I I couldn't really think of any alternate history books to list um like any really even though that was what I wanted to write yeah so I just started listening to them and I it's hard to find really good ones because there aren't that many out there but yeah I've just been reading i'm re-listening to harry potter right now actually oh um, i'm almost go. done i've got like three hours left so yeah i do get i i it's always in my face the insecurity yeah anyways anyways um another author i've also talked about before because i have the same favorite books and they've never really changed is um lauren oliver who's like pretty much my favorite ya author um and I don't, I haven't read like her newer stuff, but she wrote Before I Fall, which I think became a movie or TV show or something. And then the Delirium series, which is like one of my favorite trilogies. And her just like, in a weird contrasting way to Susan Collins, like she kind of has more like flowery and really cool descriptions and a lot of kind of like deeper 
I mean, obviously the Hunger Games is super deep, but like and horrible and horrific. But like the the way it's kind of written is so concise that it kind of makes it even worse. But she like will be like mm-hmm. not afraid to be super flowery and kind of deep and um, I don't know. It's just like the total opposite of of why I like the Hunger Games in terms of writing inspiration because she isn't afraid to say like things that are really powerful and sappy metaphorical ways I don't know (laughs) instead of being concise and I love Mm -hmm. I love writing like that and before I fall is literally about like somebody that's dead that has to relive like the last um day I guess until she figures out what to do like how to become basically a better person and so it is it's obviously gonna be it was a lot of pretty writing and deep shit so but this, this is a quote from Before I Fall, which is, I'm not scared, if that's what you're wondering. The moment of death is full of sound and warmth and light shooting away, arching up, up, up and up and up. And if singing were a feeling, it would be this, this light, this lifting, like laughing. The rest you have to find out for yourself. I just think that's so pretty. Yeah. <laughs> and useful. Like, the nice thing, or I guess not the nice thing, but like the thing about metaphors is... When they're done well, they, like, add to the story. Yeah. Um, and that definitely is, like, connected to the theme of the series. I yeah. Say. So, yeah. From what I know about it from them. Um, my next one is from a master class. <laughs> Actually, I don't remember the writer's name. But it's the master class that's writing for social change. Mm, okay. If anybody wants to look for it. Um, and I just started listening to it very casually while I was on a dog walk. Um, normally when I am trying to learn from a writer, I'm, (laughs) I'll be like mid writing, like mid writing session and I'll get like insecure or like feel like I don't know how to do something or like I need to restructure my entire plot. And so I'll start Googling stuff. And so I'm like already fatigued and like need to take a break. Um, but, and then I like take so many notes. Like sometimes I will listen to writing books or I have in the past. And I would just take way too many notes. Yeah. Um, and for this, I took like a couple screenshots, but mostly focused on like dog walking and doing work. And since I'm, my job is, you know, writing like journalistic pieces every week, I was able to like later that day, I would have to sit down and start writing. And it just kind of naturally occurred to me to incorporate some of the things I learned. Yeah. And I would say it really not only improved my writing, but it also gave me more confidence and like um, fulfillment because you know writing for social change. Yeah. Um, and I think I was, yeah, writing more interesting shit too, and like critiques that people gave me, I didn't really care about as much because I was like, well, I mean, like I'd be happy to hear stuff that will make it a better piece but then if you're like coming at me for the like angle of the piece like we just disagree and i can hear i i'm like happy to hear out why you disagree and if you have a good argument i'll listen but odds are you don't (laughs) if you're taking the time to write an email to a 25 year old editor i think maybe you don't have a good argument but anyways oh i was gonna say perhaps the trick uh to get me to learn from other writers is to trick me into doing it yeah I think that's good. So I just need to have someone trick me into doing it. Like I have a bunch of, I haven't watched like any Skillshare, like masterclass courses or anything. I really haven't done any 
um, courses aside from the ones at our college. Um, yeah. But I have... I'm too scared to listen to the ones about fiction. Yeah. I'm sure it's going to be like, oh. But I do, I do have like a bunch of craft books that I've really enjoyed. And it's not... It's probably more... It would be a lot more productive for me to do like a course instead of just reading a craft book because like I don't... I think I need more more visual stimulation than just words on a page, you know, <laughs> as a writer saying that sounds terrible, but oops. So um, I definitely want to do that. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, I also put John Green on here <laughs> because I wanted, yes, I, am so excited. I wanted to be as cliche as absolutely as possible um, because I just think that in general, all of these authors and a lot more made me realize that like YA can be accessible and it's not like sad and embarrassing to write YA. And it's not just for bad authors that don't know how to write perfectly. It's, I mean, obviously John Green is a fucking amazing writer and um, amazing person. And uh, I just think it was, it was a very, very good breath of fresh air to realize, Oh, you can be an amazing writer and people love your books and will read them at any age. And YA isn't lame and dumb and like cliche. It can be, but at the same time, like just the stuff that's like just straight up made to sell millions of copies. Like, yeah, but stuff like that actually has heart. Um, and John yeah, like Tiffio's pretty, is just... pretty good at that. <laughs> yeah. Tiffio's is basically like a still pumping, bleeding heart ripped out of a live body. That's how much it means. Yeah. I would, me. I would say that. And I love, I also love the way, um, like with both, um, I haven't, the only books that like I've, the books that stuck with me because I read them like in college was Tiffios and Paper Towns. And both of them are like about writing or have aspects of writing in them. And I love that quote where it's like, you die in the middle of your life in the middle of a sentence. And then he doesn't put a period at the end of that. Like, (laughs) I love, I always loved that quote. Um, And I, I just loved, yeah, I love the way he incorporated Literature and poetry, I guess literature yeah. for Tiffios and poetry for Paper Towns. So I loved it. Mm-hmm. And I think, ugh, I think that, uh, I don't know if, I don't know if it was, I think a lot of ways, in a lot of ways he put YA on the map for more than just uh, genre of fiction and like more yeah. than just vampires. Well, Tiffios so. especially is um, like a literary masterpiece. The way he uses symbolism is like worth studying in class you know what I mean yeah I I just kind of I was thinking about this earlier it just kind of frustrates me how I have not been influenced basically whatsoever by any of the classics I read in like high school or anything like that like I've not been influenced at all by any of them like I just wish that I would have had other options you know yeah (sighs) and the only reason I like Gatsby it's like the only classic I sort of like is because like I don't know, probably because of the movies. Like I already have, I already liked the idea of the story, but like some of the other classics, I've just never been able to um, really like. <laughs> I know that's pretty that's common, fine. but. I, I mean, I don't think it's that weird to not connect with something that was written in a different era. I know. By like someone yeah. who's much older than you. Um, yeah. And even though John Green is like, not our contemporary he's is he a millennial yeah i think he's on the cusp of gen x yeah millennial. but um he's an internet person so yeah he's in that way involved in the culture 
and shit. And yeah. And it's nice to know, to remember every once in a while how long it took John Green to write Tibios. Mm. How long? Because he like, well, he like stopped and started, I think, back when he, I know for sure back when he was working as a chaplain. Mm. Um, I don't know if that was before Looking for Alaska was published or yeah. not. It might have been. But he originally, the concept was a story that followed a chaplain who worked at a hospital. Lame. Like a middle-aged <laughs> <laughs> chaplain. <laughs> so, and then only after, um, uh, oh my god, I can't remember her actual name. The the fan nerdfighter who passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... Yeah. Like several years after that, he's finally, and after becoming a father, he's finally able to write this book. So. You can do it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's okay to wait for something to come to you sometimes. I always get worried that somebody else is going to write my book. Yeah. I, uh. I kind of had that existential crisis when I realized, oh, wait, there's so many aspects of my story that I've had written since high school in this other book. And I, like, finally read it. I was like, oh, shit. (laughs) Like, I didn't even know that there's this book that existed. It's just crazy. It's crazy. But there's only seven stories or whatever. So, who who knows? Maybe we'll write the next Tifios. Yeah, exactly. Um, let's see. I don't really want to write about cancer, but, uh, no thanks. Um, I guess I'll just say, like, I think one of the biggest issues I have with learning from, like, the greats is, or one of the biggest issues I have, period, is decision fatigue Mm -hmm. and plotting. And I think plotting is something that so many people write about and have all these tips for and have all these hacks for, and it's something a lot of people fuck up. I think it's, like, one of the biggest make-or-break aspects of a story. Yeah. Because it, like, has to do with whether or not it matters. Does that make sense? Like, it's so tied to the theme, in my mind. Um, And if one thing changes, everything else has to change. And I can't decide if it's okay to change your plot while you're writing or if you should just write a whole draft and then change your plot. And all of these things. Well, I mean, I because I've basically been rewriting and rewriting the same two books since I was fourteen. Uh, I mean, I basically learned like the whole save the cat thing, like and all the whole beat sheet thing, and how you're supposed to have that. I mean, you're not necessarily you don't have to have everything, but like the general way to structure it. I learned that after I'd already written it, so like it was extremely difficult yeah. to like try and go in, and because then you have to change if you're changing a major plot point, you have to change the. Uh, Freaking continuity is the absolute worst from that episode of Game of Thrones where they had like the Starbucks cup or whatever in the frame. Like people that deal with that shit. It's just so hard to, uh, I've been, I've used the find, the find word feature like so many effing times. Cause sometimes one time I had a character that had like blue eyes in one scene and a different color in another. And I was like, shit, how did this happen? So. Well, when we read our little like writing samples from back in the day in that one episode like mine had continuity errors and it was like a couple paragraphs long yeah it's so hard and I, that's why you have i just keep saying like okay if this becomes a, somebody somebody will do this for me once i yeah or at least somebody will help me once it be, i yeah. get any sort of book deal or whatever <laughs> hopefully somebody will do that 
Uh, I mean, if it's a good story, yeah, then like it's an eye color isn't gonna make or break you. Yes, I, I know. Yeah. Unless that's like in the query letter, I like screw up something yeah, in like the in, in the little yeah. paragraph that I have to describe my story. Uh. Uh, but yeah, if anybody, I mean, not that anybody ever messages us. God. Ever. Ever. You, you, you guys suck. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, who would email uh, us? Nobody that listens to us is going to email <laughs> us. They probably DM us on Twitter. That's what they do. Yeah, which is fine. <laughs> um, anyways, that's definitely something I've, I'm want to get better at eventually. I mean, right now I am also just focused on making it through every day of work and then also just continuing my art education. Yeah. So, but I'm learning a lot from that about note-taking and, and studying stuff and, and recreating it. It's just kind of hard to translate from drawing to writing. That's not impossible. Yeah. I mean, anybody out there got some tips? Hit me up. Yeah. Send I'm... me a paper plane. <clears throat> Okay. Okay. I will do that from across the cross 40, I guess, to you. <laughs> no, if you have a tip, please tell me now. Oh, okay. I don't have a tip. <laughs> a tip to what? Be a better writer? Uh, don't ask yeah. me. <laughs> uh, I've been trying Just keep to. trying. Yeah, that's what I've been. Like, I. I've made the mistake. I think I've said this before, but I, like, really like hand editing. So, like, I made the mistake of. Every time I do it, I regret it because I do all these hand edits and then I have to import, then I have to put them all back in my fucking <laughs> Word doc and I hate it so much. I'm still trying to like do that. So I've just been working a lot on time management right now because it's just uh. so plotting and long to like have to find all these things. But it is like so much more helpful and I feel like I can get a lot more actual edits like when I'm doing it by hand. So it's just a... Yeah. I wonder if you could, um, with, like, the iPad and the, yeah. like, Apple Pencil, you can, mm -hmm. like, scratch out stuff. That's probably a good point. But, yeah, I just, that's what I'm doing now. Nothing actually creative or fun. Just straight up looking at a piece of paper and putting it in Word. What I'm, I'm almost done. And then I can finally send it to beta readers. So I'm excited about that. That is exciting. When yeah. do you think you'll be done? <sighs> like another week, probably. Um, Ooh, and I want to, but I want to, like kind of craft a better um, kind of blurb to actually entice people to want to beta read it. So, cause I haven't yeah. really done that at all yet, but um, I'm going to give it to Robbie first. So then I will work on mm -hmm. giving it to, to randos. So that's so exciting. Okay. So you'll have to update us next time. Yes, I will. Going. I will. I loved it. I sent you that screenshot of the text when I said, like, I basically text, yes. I texted Robbie. I was like, if you don't know, Robbie has been on the podcast before. Um, he's the first person that ever kind of read my first book and gave me the confidence to actually write. And um, he like basically was like, oh my God, I can't, I said, oh, are you, are you, would you like, blah, blah, blah. would you be open to reading my second book? Like I was so coy and cautious about it. And then he's like, oh my God, I've been waiting for you to ask me. And it was just the cutest thing. So, <laughs> uh, but um, that's amazing. And I mostly just told him that to give myself fucking accountability. So I would finish this damn thing and give it to him. So now I'm like, have a little bit more of a kick in the butt to actually do it. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yippee. Exciting. I'll keep okay. you updated. Well, yes, please do. Um, I know I'm looking forward to hearing about it. Yeah. But, and good luck. Yeah. You can do it. 
Thank just you. one more whatever. I'm sure you listen to music and stuff while you do that, right? Yeah. I, like, want to watch YouTube videos, but then I get too distracted. So I got to, like, at least, I don't know, listen to ASMR or something that won't distract me. <laughs> I feel like you used to write papers while watching, like, The Simpsons. I can't really, I I can't really edit, like, I can just do like, I can do a draft totally, but I can't like, if I have to do stuff where I have to kind of double check things, I can't do that while watching something really. It's gotten a lot worse the past few years, like a lot worse. I think it's just my OCD. Yeah. Um, But I don't know. Huh. So. Interesting. Yeah. I know. I used to be able to. Don't you love how mental health affects every aspect of your life? Yeah. Don't you love it? I think it was, yeah. I don't know. Yippee. <laughs> well, on that note, on that joyful note, good night. Good night, everyone. Glad you're here with us on yeah. this day. Hope you're vaccinated. And yeah. Got to have a hot girl summer. I know. I got to go back to a theme park and I was so excited. <gasps> Yay! My favorite things. So, yay. Okay. <sighs> Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you liked the episode, feel free to give us a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform of choice. You can follow us on Twitter at ObsessNaturally or email us at anobsessivenature at gmail.com. Perfect. Awesome. <laughs>